Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Galatians chapter 5, we pick up in verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. And if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. I say then, Paul says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, just in the event that you don't know what they are, Paul points it out. The works of the flesh, they are evident. It means you don't even have to search for them. (laughs) Write that down. You don't even have to dig deep for them. Here they are, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, Paul says, of which I tell you before, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice, would you underline that in your neighbor's Bible? Those who practice, habitually do these things, such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is what, saints? Love, read it with me, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, I can't hear you, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ. They have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live in the spirit, doesn't this just make sense? We also ought to walk in the spirit. Now let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. In the event that you are a visitor here at Calvary, first time here today, we have been going through I don't know, the better part of this last half of the year, the book of Galatians. And when we first started, I told you that the book of Galatians is written to a region, is written to an area. Galatia is a territory. It's not a church. Like the Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, that is a church. It is a location. Uh, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, that is a church in the city of Thessalonica. He wrote to Thessalonians uh, in Thessalonica. He wrote that letter to a church. 
but Galatia is a territory. Galatia is a region. And in the region of Galatia, Paul wrote this letter and then they would pass the letter around to the various churches for them to read them. And Paul, as I told you, if you've been with us, Paul wrote this letter because he was establishing these churches in the gospel of grace. At the same time, these men called the Judaizers were coming behind Paul and telling the Galatian Christians that in order to be a Christian, they needed to keep the law. So Paul has been fighting and defending grace and saying that Jesus died to set us free from the law and to give us liberty. And this freedom doesn't lead to a license to sin. The freedom is a freedom not to sin. Well, then in chapter five, in verse one, go ahead and peek at it. Paul said, as we looked at it last time, Paul said to stand fast in this liberty that Jesus died to give us and to stand continually against legalism. And if anyone comes along, Paul says and tells you anything different, you need to stand fast. Don't be moved. Don't be swayed. Christ has set us free. So don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And now, listen close, saints, this morning, Paul's going to describe, he is describing what are the works of the flesh to point out to these Judaizers that grace doesn't endorse the flesh. You see, the Judaizers, are you listening? The Judaizers would say, this Paul, this guy, Paul, is preaching grace and people are going to take that grace and they're going to go out and sin and they're going to go out and walk in the flesh. And Paul is saying, no, if you teach grace, it's going to keep people set free. It's going to cause people to walk in freedom. And if people really understand grace, are you listening? If people really understand grace, it won't lead to license. It will lead to love. It will lead to walking in the spirit. So Paul says, walk in the spirit and you shall not, verse 16, fulfill the lust of the flesh. Simply put, if we walk in the spirit, instead of trying to live by the law, we need to walk in the spirit instead of trying to live by the law. And it stands the reason you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Remember the legalists, these Judaizers were teaching and promoting that if you walk in the spirit or you're led by grace, that it will give you a license to sin. And that only legalism can keep you holy. This is what they were saying, which is simply just plain wrong. So the question is, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? What does it mean to walk in the spirit? Well, it means, listen, that the Holy Spirit lives in you and you are sensitive to his leading. You know, as you study the Bible, you learn that walking in the spirit means that you listen to the spirit of God and people who don't know God, they call it their conscience. But we as Christians, we call it the spirit of God living in us, leading us, teaching us, guiding us in all truth. Can you say amen? amen. Hmm? It means simply listening to the spirit and doing what the spirit tells you to do. That was such an eye opener for me when I first understood that. Because I, as many of you know, I came from a charismatic background and we, uh, you know, walking in the spirit was a different meaning then. You know, if you were in the spirit, that meant that you were speaking in tongues. That meant that you, you know, dancing in the spirit because you were in the spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm, t- I'm t- church I came from, walk- walking in the spirit meant 
running, jumping in the spirit. I mean, we went to church. We, we, got, we got a workout. You didn't need to join a gym. You didn't need to join a gym. You got a workout. Just go to church. As soon as they hit that first chord, you start running around, jumping up and down. You got a cardio workout on Sunday morning. Speaking in tongues, prophesying. And I thought all of that was walking in the spirit. And then I realized that walking in the spirit really has little to do with that and has everything to do with simply listening and being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. So if the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, put down that book and call this person on the phone then you do it. And how many times have that happened to you? I know it's happened to me a ton of times where I was doing something and I just felt an unctioning and moving by the spirit just to pick up my phone and call somebody. And I called and they said, oh man, you called at the right time. I can't believe I got it. what happened, what just happened. Or I was just thinking about this or just praying about that. How many times has that happened to you? Has it happened to you ever where you just, you call somebody at the right time or you run into them at the supermarket at the right time or you run into them at the gas station or, or, or at Walmart? It can happen at the right time. The Lord can work in Walmart too at the right time. It just means to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do when he tells you to do it. Walking in the Spirit means to simply just submit yourself and submit your heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit and to be moved by the Holy Spirit. You know, I remember a guy when I first uh, became a Christian, and I think I told you about him, the first guy I ever led to the Lord I will never forget his name. His name is Anthony Ruby. You remember the first person you led to the Lord? I remember the first guy I led to the Lord. His name is Anthony Ruby. We call him Tony. And uh, I felt at that time that I needed to uh, teach him the Bible because I led him to the Lord. I felt a responsibility that he should know the Bible. And so, and I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. So I went out and bought me a, a Bible dictionary. I'll never forget it. I still have it. It's the Unger's Bible Dictionary. And I'll never forget it because it was so expensive. And uh, I don't know why that kind of hits me, but I remember that book was $32. I will never forget that. 25 years ago, $32 was a lot of money for a book. Now, if you're under 25, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Because y'all don't even use books anymore. You're like, why didn't you just get a DVD? <laughs> well, that's because they didn't make them then. <laughs> Folk, they don't even know how to read. <laughs> you just pop the DVD and look at it. Uh. Well, we had to read in those days. Can I get an amen from the 25 and year older group? And I remember I didn't know anything about the Bible. So I thought, now what am I going to teach? I'm going to teach. I'm going to learn the Bible. And so I, I, I actually got the Unger's Bible Dictionary and I wanted to know who Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were. Who are these people? Why did they write, you know, the Bible? And what was their life like? And how come of all the people in the Bible, those four were like the gospel people? I didn't understand any of these things. So I that's when I first learned that Matthew was a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. And it was my first Bible study with Tony Ruby that I shared those four things. I was like, Tony, okay, we're going to sit down. We're going to learn the word of God today. 
I felt like a professor because I knew four things. And we're going to learn the Bible. We're going to learn the word of God. I'm going to teach you who Matthew is and who Mark and Luke and John are. And you will be very spiritual when you are done. And so I taught him, you know, I began to teach him the word of God. And who would have ever known that was my real first Bible study. And who would have ever known 25 years later, I'm still teaching the Bible. Being led by the spirit. Being simply being led by the spirit because I felt the responsibility just to teach that God. about. I didn't know that God was going to. I didn't know that when I became a Christian that God gave me a gift to teach the Bible. I didn't know that. I didn't know that God had a plan for me that I was going to be teaching the Bible for the rest of my life. I didn't know that then. I was simply just walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And what I'm trying to tell you is that when you are led by the Spirit, you will never go wrong. Can you clap your hands and say amen? You'll never go wrong. You'll always be, you'll always be in that place where God wants you to be. Paul says, if you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now listen at this, saints. The legalists, keep the context, the legalists would read this and say, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and you shall walk in the spirit. You see, the legalist has dyslexia. We read it as walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, one depends on the spirit and you won't walk walk in the flesh. And the other says, earn your way by works and you will be spiritual. You see the difference? Earn your way by works and then you'll be spiritual. Well, then in verse 17, Paul tells us that there's a constant war. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. You looking at it? If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. Look at verse 17. For the flesh wars against what, saints? You see, there's a war going on between the flesh and the spirit. Now, when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about the fallen nature that was inherited by Adam. There is a battle going on between the fallen nature and the spirit nature. And if you've been a Christian more than 24 hours, you know that that's true. There's a war going on between what the spirit wants you to do and what the flesh wants you to do. And that old fleshly nature, listen, rises up at any time, any place and unexpectedly. Isn't that true? I see it every Sunday. Y'all ought to see church from where I stand. I see folks come in every single Sunday. There are people who come to church and they come to the same service every Sunday and they sit in the same seat every Sunday. But every now and then they come in, they come to the same service, they come to get in their seat and someone's in it. You want to see the old nature rise up. Now, of course, you don't say anything because that would be just completely impolite. But they are sitting in your seat and you walk by and you think, hmm, sitting in my seat. Even though I tell people we don't save seats, we save souls. Did you hear me? We don't save seats. We don't, we save souls. People still save seats and people think that that's their seat. You want to see the old flesh rise up? You, you, you go to a parking lot to a mall and, and you're waiting for a parking space. Has this ever happened to you? You're waiting for the parking space. No, it's never happened to anybody here, huh? You're waiting for a parking space. 
And, and, and you're always waiting for the parking space with the lady who has triplets, who has, who has been shopping for five hours. She's got 4,000 bags to put in a car. And so you're waiting there and you're waiting for an hour and a half for that one space. <laughs> then she finally pulls out and the way that she pulls out kind of blocks you from pulling in. Y'all know where I'm going. Okay, the way she pulls out blocks you from pulling in, and then somebody pulls in and takes your parking space. You want to see the flesh come out? My, my daughter, just the other day, I actually wrote this piece in her memory. I mean, she's still with us, but she's in here right now. I won't tell you who Chanel is. And um, <laughs> so she came, she, the other day she came over and she said, she said, uh, Dad, what would you do? <laughs> what would you do if somebody took your parking space you had been waiting for? What would you do? I said, well, sweetheart, because I, I'm, a, I'm a godly person. <laughs> I said, well, sweetheart, what I would do is I would just pray. Because I'm spiritual. I don't care what y'all say. I would just pray for them. And she said, I said, well, what did you do? She said, I'd get out the car and go kick their car. (laughs) Outside, I was going, yes. I I was saying, I pray. And inside, I'm thinking, then that's my girl. (laughs) So I go, kick the car. (laughs) Just go kick. But, you know, you want to see the flesh rise up in unexpected ways and unexpected places. That's what happens. The old nature is still with us. That fleshly nature is still there. And you ever notice that talking about a war going on? You ever notice, talking a more serious note, you ever notice that when, when you take the time and you say, you know, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this morning I'm going to get up and pray. Have you ever noticed as soon as you start praying, the phone rings? There's a war going on trying to keep you from walking in the Spirit and doing the things that God has called you to do in the Spirit. So we have that flesh nature. And can I tell you something? If you're taking notes, will you write this down, please? The flesh, listen close. You cannot negotiate with the flesh. You cannot negotiate with the flesh. Matter of fact, the Bible doesn't tell us to negotiate or compromise with the flesh. The Bible tells us to put it to death. You know, I think of the story in Exodus as the children of Israel were getting getting ready and crossing into the promised land. You remember that story? And the Canaanites are scared of them because the Canaanites were watching over the walls of Jericho and they saw Israel coming across the Jordan carrying the Ark of God. And they saw the waters of Jordan part. And when the last person stepped on the other side, the water started flowing again. And the Canaanites realized they weren't only fighting Israel but they were fighting the God of Israel. And then God told Israel that he would send hornets to drive them out. I will never understand that. Why hornets? What is the purpose of hornets? What's the purpose of mosquitoes? What is the purpose of chihuahuas? (laughs) You know, I sit and, and contemplate these things. These are things that disturb my spirit. Why did God create chihuahuas? Um, chihuahuas must be like a part of the fallen nature or something. Uh, fallen man. I don't get it. What, what's the point? 
So God said, I'm going to send hornets and get this. And he told Israel, here's the best part. Listen, he told Israel, he said he was going to drive out the Canaanites. Now, if you've been in our study on Wednesday night, you know the Canaanites represent the flesh. And he told Israel, I'm going to drive out the Canaanites little by little. I'm going to drive them out little by little. You know, isn't that true? Victory doesn't always come overnight. You know, sometimes God drives things out of your life little by little. Isn't that true? Now, when you first get saved, all the biggies, I call them like the big five, they kind of go away really quick. I mean, as soon as you get saved, the big five, they're, they're, they're gone. You know, sleeping around, you think, okay, I'm a Christian now. I shouldn't be sleeping around. And then, and then I shouldn't be doing drugs and I don't drink the way I used to drink. Now I drink less. I mean, you know, it's like the big ones, they all go away. You're nice to do your wife. You're nice to do your husband. No more road rage. Those things come along. It happens. But then as you keep walking with the Lord, God starts to show you a little more. And then he starts to, in this true, he starts to probe a little deeper in your life. Hey, well, what about your thought life? Okay, now the big five are gone. You don't do those things anymore. You don't smoke or chew or go with girls who do. <laughs> They're all gone. But what about your thought life? What about your heart? You see, if God showed you all these things in the beginning, it would blow your mind. And so God gives it to us little bit by little bit. God says, when you get in the land to Israel, he says, don't make any covenants and don't make any promises. Don't try to compromise. In other words, don't try to compromise with the flesh, the enemy or Satan. And here's why. Listen to me close. Here's why you're not to compromise with your flesh, because the flesh does not know the word negotiate. The flesh doesn't know the word negotiate. You can't give your flesh a little allowance because if you give your flesh a little, it only wants more. Your flesh is insatiable. You know, someone once said, give Satan an inch and he will become the ruler. Isn't that true? Give him an inch and he'll become the ruler. Don't even give Satan a little room in your life because he always wants more. It's almost like I'll have a little cheesecake. You can't have a little cheesecake. And people come to your house and they, you know, you have a little party and they bring a cake. And then when they leave, like maybe just that one cake, they only took like two slices off of it. People took two slices off and then they leave. And then they say, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to leave the cake. Just, you just keep it. Just keep it. I'm just going to leave. You just keep it. You got the cake on the counter. And then, you, you know, you just happen to walk in the kitchen. You went in the kitchen to get, like, something to eat or something healthy. And you're walking by the counter, and all of a sudden, the cake starts talking to you. Isn't it true? The cake says, hey, big fella. <laughs> you're just, like, walking. You're walking in the kitchen. <laughs> This is how I walk in my kitchen. (laughs) So you're like walking in the kitchen and the cake says, hey, big fella. And you know, you kind of walking by, you go, yes. (laughs) Yes. Don't you want a bite of me? (laughs) No, not really. Oh, yeah, just take one bite. Really, just one. Just one bite. 
And it's like, it's almost like you got the good, the good angel and the bad angel. And it's like, no, 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 no. One bite will lead to others. And the other one's like, no, it won't. One bite won't hurt. One bite will lead to other. One bite won't hurt. One bite will lead to other. Okay, I'll have one bite. And you take one bite, what happens? Somehow, I don't know, maybe Kurt Anderson showed up, but the whole cake disappeared. Where did it go? Because you can't just have a bite. You can't satisfy the flesh. The flesh is insatiable. And there's a war going on between the flesh and the spirit. Now look at verse 19 in your Bibles as Paul gives us a list of 17 works of the flesh. And listen, this list, it isn't exhaustive, but it gives you an idea of what a person who walks in the flesh does. A person who walks in the flesh, listen, they commit adultery. And what's adultery? That means being married and then you're having extramarital affairs. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.